I know that you've all just been noticing this tray of uh, food. I hope your mouths aren't squirting too much for this. Well, let's admit it, it's cold right now, but I'm going to make it more appetizing later for you. Well, we get to start a new series together today, and it's called You Can Say That Again. How many of you have said that when somebody said something to you that you can say that again? And you know, it means that's really true. It's kind of an affirmation of what the person said. That's so true. And today it's that meaning as well, but we're actually in this series talking about literally, you can say that again and again and again. We're talking about words that we can't get enough of. And these are some pretty powerful words. And today we're just going to look at two words. Each week we'll be unpacking two to five words. So just to get ready, I'd like you to get your voting arms ready. And I'd like to ask how many of you have had somebody say thank you to you this week for something specific? How many of you? Just raise your hands high. Oh, lots of you. That's awesome. Such an encouraging thing. Now let's flip that. How many of you have said thank you to someone or to God specific for something specific this week? Oh, I knew it. I knew it. This, this whole time, our whole time today in God's word is going to be an attaboy, girl, a pat on the back, an affirmation for you from the Lord. So we're going to have fun as we look at somebody who is really good at these two powerful phrases. Now, we need a little practice. Maybe some of you, um, you know, you just couldn't get enough of it this week, so you'd like to do it again. And I want to start with an open mic. So the first three pre people to stand are going to get to stand and say thank you in front of God and everybody to somebody who's here in the room. Are you ready? You got your courage on? Let's see who's going to do it. Would you stand? All right, we have our first one, John Elmers. All right, we have Heather right here. And right back here, your first name? Jaden. Awesome. Okay, these are our three. We'll start with John. Good morning. Uh, I have to say thank you to Philip Peters. He is the man. Um, he's the best usher. Um, I can't believe his willingness to serve, and I just so appreciate him being here weekly, and I, I go, Philip's got it covered. I'm so thankful to God for him. So, and, and he's also married to Shelly, who is, she provides the food. So I'm not sure who's more important. <laughs> so thank you to Shelly, and thank you to Peter. I, they're so blessed to have them. Thank you. And right back here, that's Philip. Everybody look behind you, and you'll see him waving. Yeah, let's give it up for Philip. And we have Jaden. Who would you like to thank, Jaden? There you go. I want to thank my grandma for staying strong, for having cancer for the third time. And I want to thank my aunt and everybody else in my family for staying strong for her. That is awesome, Jaden. Boy, those are some special people. That's awesome. That's awesome. I really admire people who go through hard things that take more than a week to clear up. We're just really proud of you. Thank you. Heather. Hi, I want to say thank you to my husband who's back in the booth, Joel, because he helped me move a friend yesterday and he worked his butt off. It was really hard. So <laughs> thank you, baby. I love you. <laughs> you can talk more with Joel about that afterwards and <laughs> get the details. Heather and Joel, wonderful couple. Joel also serves on the church council. Well, doesn't it feel good to say thanks? Doesn't it feel good to receive thanks, to have somebody acknowledge something that you've done or been in their life? Man, it's just, it's, nothing's better than that. 
But you know, what could motivate us beyond feelings? Because we know how our feelings do. We don't always feel good. And, and so we can't rely on those. But today we're talking about a powerful phrase of two words that every person on planet Earth would love to hear more of. Thank you. And really, there's one big idea today, and that's that God wants every single one of us to make a habit, not an occasion, but a habit of saying thank you, both to him and to the people in our lives, both the ones near us and the ones that we encounter periodically. Thank you is what we want to learn today. And we want to take a look at the life of one guy and his story And it's kind of a surprising one for some of us who are familiar with the Bible. It's a man called Daniel, and we're going to look at Daniel 6. And if you want to, I'm going to tell the first part of the story, and we're just going to look at the 10th verse, because in that one verse, that one piece of Daniel's story, he has a lot to say to us. He has three things that he can give us as helpful hints on how to make a habit out of thanksgiving. First, I want to tell the story, and for those of you who like to check the facts, You can follow along in Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. I'm going to summarize. I'll tell you a few details that aren't theirs to catch up. So here's, here's the deal. The Jewish nation had been taken captive. Literally, Jerusalem was taken under siege by the Babylonians. And in that, at that time, when they took over the city, they took the best and the brightest. And they took them back to Babylonia with them to be their assistants, to work with their rulers. And one of the people that they took, the best and the brightest from Jerusalem, was Daniel. And Daniel had been a part of working with two leaders now in this Babylonian empire, and now a third has been appointed. His name was Darius the Mede. So him being a new leader, he wanted to do his own thing, right? He wanted to have his own leaders in place. So I'm going to give you a little flow chart here, because he appointed 120 guys to be the satraps. And if you think of satraps, they're like our governors. They were the rulers over a province, a region, a territory. So there's the 120 of those. And then over those were three guys called administrators. I'd like to liken these to the cabinet of the president, specifically three of the higher positions. And their job was to oversee these 120 guys and make sure they didn't do anything that harmed the king and didn't bring him a prophet because they were into that too. So they were watching over that. And the thing is, Daniel was one of those three. And then there was King Darius there at the top of the heap because that was a very hierarchical approach. So what happens when this one guy was doing such an awesome job that this new king was like, man, I want this guy, Daniel. I'm going to promote him, and he's going to be above the administrators and the satraps. I've got a new position in my flow chart. And it's right below me. You could call it the chief of staff. The second most powerful position in the White House is the chief of staff. And that's what Daniel was going to be. And when these other 122 guys found out about it, the people here on the flowchart, they weren't too pleased. And so what they did is they got together and they said, we got to find some dirt on this guy. So they looked at Daniel's life and his work, how he'd been performing for the king. And lo and behold, they couldn't find a thing. You know, they couldn't find anything corrupt that he had done. Furthermore, they couldn't find anything that he had left undone. That's called negligence. And it said they couldn't find anything there. So they were like, okay, we can't find any dirt in his work. So they finally decided there's only one way we're going to get Daniel, that we're going to get him out of power. And that's to come between him and his God. 
That's to make them look bad in the king's eyes in his relationship with God. So they put together this plan that they would ask the king to write this decree, this law, and sign it. And the law was that for the next 30 days, everyone across the whole kingdom had to pray only to Darius. Now, there's no separation of church and state here, right? And the rulers did love to be worshipped. And that went on for lots of years after that as well. So, I mean, they knew how to appeal to Darius. Hey, for the next 30 days, everybody's going to be praying to you. And if they don't, this was going to be the punishment. They're going to be thrown in a lion's den. And there would be lions in there too. Well, they get this plan together and they go to Darius and they are the brown nosers par excellence. So how do you think they got into his presence? They go to Darius and they go, long live King Darius, you know, appealed to his ego very much. And he heard their plan and he thought it was good. He wasn't giving any thought to the ramifications of it. And so, and besides, it sounded like a good way to establish his leadership, right? He's a new king. Get all the people praying to him for 30 days. That's a habit right there. 30 days doing the same thing. So he signed it. He wrote it. And in that law, in that day, in Persian culture, there, it was irrevocable. Now, in Jewish law, there were checks and balances. There were ways for a king to change his mind, but not in this case. It was law. They were bound to it. And that's where we pick up the story in verse 10, the verse we're going to focus on. So let's look at Daniel 6, verse 10. You can read it on the screen or in your Bibles. It says, now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Uh, all of us like a look at home, don't we? A peek at home. And three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. We want to make three observations about these two very powerful words, thank you, out of Daniel's life. The first one is this, Daniel gave thanks first in the face of troubling news. It's the first thing he did when he got bad news. And this was really bad news because it was now a law. Jared and I have this little saying, if it's not written, it's not real. And that was definitely the case here. Until it was written, it wasn't a real law. But at the time that he heard that, he knew that that was his death warrant. He was, his life was in grave danger. But he knew what to do. He did what he usually did. He stopped and prayed and gave thanks to God while he was at it. He knew that whatever circumstances he was in, good or bad, that giving thanks was one of the ways he could express his devotion his obedience to his God. And it harkens back to something that Paul wrote to us in 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Some of you may have memorized this at some point in your life, where Paul writes that we're to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Well, I had to start doing a review of my life. I decided to take a look back over my troubling circumstances across my life and see what my habit with giving thanks first looked like. I would like to report that uh, it was wonderful, but here's what I discovered. First of all, I went back to college days. I'm sorry, there was way too much life to go back earlier than that. But I, I went back as far as college and over life, I saw some car accidents, some miscarriage, job loss. And, and you know, I was looking at that, I was going, you know, when the really big news would come, I was, you know, pretty good back then about going first to God with it. 
But funny thing, the Holy Spirit doesn't really live in the past too much unless it's to remind us of great things that have happened. So he immediately brought me to the more recent past when about six weeks ago received a homeowner's notice and that, it was, that we were going to owe $15,000 on the remediation work that had been done on our house along with many other homeowners in our unit. And um, this was in addition to the hundreds of dollars we'd been paying every month in special assessments for two years. So when I got that news, I can't say that I did what Daniel did. No, I did not. I said, help. I did what Peter did. <laughs> but I never got past that, at least to my remembrance. I tried to think back. When was the first time I gave thanks in the middle of that circumstance? And, you know, it took me more than a few days. Then, funny thing, the Holy Spirit just kind of honed in. And you know what I'm talking about, just that still, small voice. He starts reminding you. I started looking at this last week when I got troubling information, some of it that directly involved me, you know, bad news type of stuff. And when I looked at that, you know, I was thinking about Daniel for the last couple of weeks. I've been thinking about his example and, you know, looking at my life against that. And because of that, it really helped me, including yesterday when I got the news that one of our wonderful ushers at the 9 o'clock service had had a stroke. And he was paralyzed on his right side, and he can't talk right now. And I went to see John last night. And, and because of Daniel's example, I thought, what can I thank God for in this circumstance. And after talking with his son from Southern California, I realized, you know, I don't think he has a relationship with Jesus. And there's two boys and a wife, um, none of which that I know know Jesus. And he said, you're going to get to show my love to his extended family during this time. I can thank God for the opportunity to do that. And that's what I did yesterday when I got the news. But I have to report what my bottom line assessment was of my own practices of Daniel giving thanks first. I decided, you know, I'm working on it. I'm conscious of what I need to do, and I'm making a conscious effort to give thanks, but it's definitely not a habit, because, you know, a habit is something we can do without thinking. And this year, I'm working on that. In a few minutes, we're going to talk about some tips and tools that can help us, because we need to talk about the second thing that we notice here in Daniel's story, and it's that he said thank you repeatedly. He did it again and again says there that three times a day he did this. Think about it. Daniel could have been trash-talking with the best of them. He could have gone to God with complaints. Look at these power-hungry jerks, God, that are messing up my life. What about these men who are using my relationship with you and push this, to push this legislation forward and get me kicked out and even killed? He could have gone on and on. They had given him plenty of material to trash talk with. But that's not what he did because that's not what he usually did. He instead repeatedly gave thanks. This kind of reminds me of another guy's story, only it's New Testament. It's the Apostle Paul. Because when he wrote to the churches that he had started and had relationship with and to friends and to ministry partners... In every case, very early in his conversation, he found something to give thanks for about them. Now, this isn't in your notes. I'm going to ask you to just listen as I review a few of his remarks. To the church at Rome, in the first chapter, the eighth verse, he said, First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because of your faith that's been reported all over the world. And then he wrote to the church at Corinth, and in verse 4 of the first chapter, I always 
thank God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus to the church at Ephesus in verse 15 of the first verse. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then there's that one in Philippians that a lot of people like to quote, and it's on a lot of cards. I thank God every time I remember you. And then there's the church at Colossae. And in the third verse of that first chapter, we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you. Because we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. And he goes on to the church at Thessalonica and thanks them. And then it's his friend Timothy. He tells Timothy, I thank God whom I serve as my forefather did with a clear conscience as night and day I remember you in my prayers. And to his friend Philemon in verse 4, I always thank God as I remember you in my prayers because I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints. That tells me that Paul, like Daniel, understood that thank you, those two simple words, are words that we can say again and again and again. Now, if you read what Paul wrote in the rest of his letters, if you look at the rest of his conversation, these were not perfect churches. He was writing to them about problems, ways they'd messed up. He was chastising, sometimes just downright telling them they were wrong and they better straighten up. He had friends that weren't all grown up. They were doing immature things, and he asked them to do more mature things. But that's not how he started. He started by saying thank you to them. And it's an encouragement, just like Daniel. Daniel shows us the way to begin a habit in saying thank you. He said thank you repeatedly each day and every day after. We know that this wasn't a one-timer and frequent practice through several things, some of which we won't look at today. But right here in this very verse, the last phrase in the chapter, when it says that he was giving thanks to God just as he had done before. Before what? Before there was a death threat on his life? Yes. Before what? Before he had ever come to this position? Yes. Before, over and over again. Repeatedly three times a day, and consistently. He was consistent in his giving of thanks. Now, someone said once that a habit is something that you can do without thinking, and that's why we all have so many of them. Now, if you think about it, they were referring to some of the habits we wish we didn't have. Don't they just seem like they got there without us trying? Well, maybe you've ever played that game of mimicking, and somebody mimics you, and sometimes you discover habits that you have that you didn't know you, you did. Because a habit is a habit because it happens so frequently. It's a recurrent pattern of behavior that happens again and again and again. And it's not a habit if it's just something you do once in a while or if it's just something that you have done once before. It's a habit when you do it over and over. And Daniel made a habit of giving thanks. So much so that 122 leaders and his boss, all the people that he worked with, knew what his practices were. They'd seen him that much doing it so often. And they knew that that was the only way they could get to him is to interrupt that and get, try to get him to defy God. It was the only way they could create a charge for wrongdoing in his life. Daniel was so consistent that even his adversaries 
knew what his practices were. And you know, they tattled on him to King Darius after Darius signed the decree. They were the ones who went to Darius and said, hey, we caught your boy. We caught the guy you think so great. And he's still doing it. He's still praying to God every day, not to you, Darius. Well, in Philippians 4, 6, we're told to make a habit of giving thanks with all of our requests. Don't be anxious for anything, it says. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. This reminds me of condiments. That's right, ketchup. Now, I have 58 first cousins on my mom's side. My six, there's six siblings in my family. That's what you get when you get 12 kids who are all prolific. It's a wonderful thing. We have a lot of fun when we're together. And I remember the first time I spent the night at my cousin Wendy's house. Wendy, and really most of the family, likes ketchup on everything. And I was shocked. Uh, we had chicken. Yes. It needs a healthy dose of ketchup on it. Grilled cheese sandwiches, no problem. They need ketchup. Macaroni and cheese or any other casserole for that matter. I was there many a night. Ketchup, it was all better with ketchup. You think, ah, vegetables must have escaped. No, green beans, those are french fries. You gotta put the ketchup on. That's right, dip those puppies. But I don't know, this is the worst of all to me. Cottage cheese, folks. That's right. Cottage cheese. This is her favorite and still is to this day. I called her a couple days ago. I wouldn't embarrass her this day without it, although she wasn't embarrassed. She said, you can tell them that for sure. I still love ketchup on everything. And I have to tell you, this is what came to my mind when I read these words again and saw Daniel's example was ketchup with everything. That's what Paul's saying. With every request with every specific inquiry of the Lord, anytime we talk to him, let's make it with ketchup. Let's make it with thanksgiving. That's what he was really saying. My husband would say salsa should be there instead of, instead of ketchup, by the way. So what happened? And what's the end of Daniel's story here, this dilemma that he was in? Well, he did pray to God as we read every day. So he had to be thrown in the lion's den the king couldn't revoke it, but the king had huge respect for Daniel, so he hardly slept a wink that night. He got up the next morning at the crack of dawn, it says, and he was to that pit fast. He looks over the edge, he looks down, and he said, Daniel, has the God whom you serve continually rescued you from the mouth of the lions? Oh my gosh, his voice was in anguish. I'm sure his heart was in anguish. He didn't want this guy that he loved who had done his best for him to be killed. And at that moment, Daniel spoke up and said, it's okay, I'm here. That's my paraphrase, but it was like that. He was okay, and they pulled him up out of the pit immediately, and there wasn't a wound found on him. And then comes the powerful phrase that's behind all thanksgiving, because he trusted in God. Ultimately, why can I say thanks for an imperfect person? Why can I say thanks when I get bad news? Why can I say thanks three times a day or however many, no matter what I'm going through, because I'm trusting God. I'm trusting God in your life, that if I see an area of immaturity in you and we had to talk about it, I could start with thanks, because God's gonna finish the work he started 
in each one of us. So I'm expressing my trust in God every time I say thanks to someone in my life. Why can I say thanks to amazing people who don't know Jesus yet, but they're doing great things? Because God has a future for them. I see them, that's why we call them pre-Christians. They just don't know his good news yet. And it's a part of my giving thanks to God that expresses that trust. You're still at work. He's going to do something here with this person. It's such an awesome thing. That's what makes it so powerful. Daniel could thank God first and repeatedly and consistently because he had a relationship with him. It wasn't a historic one. It was a, con it was a current one. We know that. The king described it as continual. Man, I hope someday that somebody could look at my life and that's what they'd say. You serve God continually. He wasn't banking on his parents' relationship with God. He wasn't banking on a friend that he did good deeds for, for a relationship with God. He had a relationship with God. That's why he wanted to talk to him and thank him in the face of the worst news of his life. We can make a habit of saying thanks too. Today, if you have a relationship with God, we can grow in that. We can begin to make a habit and be like Daniel where we add it to every cry and request and where we make it first in every relationship, an expression of trust that I believe in what God's up to in your life. Friday, we celebrated my mother-in-law's home going to be with Jesus, and we had a wonderful memorial service, and my mother-in-law didn't have a lot of unfinished business with either God or people. She had made peace with God through Jesus Christ. In fact, it was the passion of her life to pass that on, that every person would know that God loved them, that God had a plan for their life before they were even born, that he went to the cross for them, and that they could be forgiven and be restored into a right relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And it only took a conversation with him of saying yes to God's great proposal of I love you. That was the theme of her life. But she did have one last request that day. It was this. She said in her last full sentence to me, I walked in the morning of the day she died, took her hand and asked her how the night was. And she said it was good. And then as though she didn't have much time, she said, say thank you to Eric for me. Who was Eric? Eric was the chaplain at the assisted living facility that she was living in the last six years. Eric was her pastor for the last two years when she couldn't get out to church because of mobility issues. He'd bring communion to her. He'd open the word with her. He'd bring the encouragement that we get to have when we go eat some food after service and when we come in and sit down and talk with each other. And she wanted him to know that she appreciated that. Now, guess what? Jean had said thanks to Eric many times before. In Jared and I's presence, too, we'd heard her tell him thank you, really even just weeks before. And she'd say, she'd tell us about thanking Eric even when he wasn't around. She'd say, I'm so grateful for him. But you see, my mother-in-law understood that there are two words that people can stand to hear over and over again. Thank you. And she made sure that he was thanked. It's a wonderful time. So the question for us is, what about you? What trouble or difficulty or bad news are you facing or have you faced that you can give thanks in the midst of? And where do you need to say thanks 
again, or maybe for the first time. Ray, our facilities manager, told me I could share this. Last night he was in the service, and after the service, he just felt prompted by the Lord to call his big brother. It's his brother who helped him live through, literally, a life with a very difficult stepfather. And he realized he hadn't said thank you specifically to him for helping him make it. So he called his brother, and he said, I just wanted to tell you thank you for helping me through. And his brother said, have you been drinking? <laughs> and that was the beginning of a great conversation about the Lord. Because Ray said, no, but I'll tell you what I have been doing. And he told him about Daniel's example and how it prompted him to, talk to, to call him and say thanks to him. And they had a wonderful conversation. And here were Ray's, Ray's words to me this morning. He said, that felt so good. I'm pretty sure it felt good to his brother too. And I'm pretty sure it made God smile. Well, I've given all of you uh, the handout this morning. I've given you two little grids here to um, do a little self-evaluation as I've been doing for the last couple weeks. And I want to just go over the words, kind of make them simpler than they are. The first box is about your habit of thanking God, and you're going to evaluate it. And the other one is evaluating your habit of thanking others. Now, here's the four uh, boxes to choose from. First of all, to be unconsciously incompetent. I call this, I stink at this and I don't even know it. Okay, so if you wonder if you're in that category, I encourage you, ask somebody. <laughs> you know, have you ever had an aha moment? That's usually what's happening right there. I discover, I've had those where I discovered I was not good at something I wasn't even aware of. And thank the Lord for good friends who will be honest. The second box there says, I'm consciously incompetent. Doesn't that sound so much better? <laughs> this one just says, I know I should do this but I'm still figuring it out. I'm still figuring out how to make this happen in my life. And then the third box is I'm consciously competent. This means I am doing it, but I'm doing it with great effort and focus. It is not mindless. It is not happening naturally yet. I'm working on it every time. And that's where I put myself consciously competent, which means sometimes I slide into consciously incompetent if I'm not really sensitive that day. Okay, and then the last one is unconsciously competent. That's just a fancy way of saying it's a habit. Like Daniel, three times a day or however many times. I'm regularly doing this repeatedly. So take just a minute and put a check in the box you think. Where you're at right now, I know our lives change, and I certainly noticed that I was better at this at other times in my life than I have been recently. And we'll talk just for a minute about tools and tips to help us. You know, the latest research on how habits form has shown that a, a new habit can be developed in 30 days. If you do it 30 days every day, that you can form a new habit. Now, do you really believe it? it's that easy? No, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it's not quite as simple. You know, they've shown there's three things that make up a habit, and it's actually a neurological, it's a brain loop, if you will, that happens in our brain for anything that we have a habit for. There's a cue. Some people call these triggers. It's what you, sets you off and gets you started doing that thing. Every time this happens, I do this. And then there's a routine, and that's what you do. And then there's the reward. And we can't go into all of it today, but they've discovered that the cues always land in one of five areas, location, time, your emotional state, other people, or the immediately 
preceding action. So when I took a look at Daniel's activity of his three times a day in his room, facing out toward uh, Jerusalem, I saw two of those cues for him, location and time. It's funny because when we talk about the habit of like a uh, personal time with Jesus, we always focus on have a place, have a time. That's why, because these triggers are really powerful things in our lives. And Daniel had that in giving thanks. He had a time and a place to give thanks to God. And then there's the routine. And sometimes we've got to experiment with that. Because have you ever tried a routine that didn't work? Oh, man, I have lots of them. You'll remember that I said that I, that at January 1st, those of you who are here, I shared that I felt like the Lord was wanting to grow me and being more specific in my thanks every day and more consistent toward him. So I made a routine with God that every day before my feet hit the ground, I'd give thanks to him for 20 things. And I did 20 because my hands could do that, my fingers, because, you know, alertness in the morning. I need help with my math. So... I am here to tell you that I haven't made it every day, but I've made it over half of the days. I'm not really sure, probably about two-thirds. And that has still changed me and grown me, and I'm still working on what I need to adjust in order to make that work. So what about our own giving thanks? I've added some things because of Daniel's example. So I started a, a gratitude journal. It never worked for me to do a written one, so I found these cool technology tools. And there's this one that's called Happy Tappers Gratitude Journal online. So I'm doing five a day for 30 days, and I'm adding this to my giving thanks. And I just wanted to read one of them from this week was God's presence with and help for my friend Robin. I thank you, Lord, for Sue Ring's story of the client who was healed. Thank you, Lord, for Kim's positive perseverance in engaging people in our mission with kids. Thank you for Jared's faithfulness and discipline in living out his values. Thank you for Josephine's eager willingness to serve, learn, and lead. And then what I did, my cue is I, when I touch my iPad each day, the first time I touch it, this is what I do first. I give thanks first with it. So I do that, and then when I finish that, I always find myself giving thanks for at least one person, and I pick one of the people I've given thanks for, and I try to do like Paul did. I let him know about it. I send him a text or an email right then, and yes, there'll probably be, I haven't run into anybody yet that I needed snail mail, but that would be valid too, So or a verbal would be great too, but then I, I'd send that to him. It's been really fun to do that, so I just wanted to pass on those tips. There's another tool called the Gratitude Diary. And that's a free app, by the way. Works very similarly. But maybe you're not a writer. Maybe the whole thing just sounds laborious for you. Maybe you're a talker and you'd like to have something to track it with. There's a thing called Recorder Pro. And it's listed there on your handout. And I'm just going to play. This is what it's like. You literally, I press a button, I talk into it. And today, my first thing on my little list was, thank you, God, for this sunshiny day. But I just recorded the same Thank one. you for Sue Ring's story of the client who was healed. Thank you for Kim's positive perseverance in engaging people in our mission with kids. Thank you for Jared's faithfulness and discipline in living out his values. It's as simple as that. And it can be your lingo. It's a lot like prayer, short, simple, and natural. So feel free. Those kinds of tools can actually help us develop the habit. I need help if I'm going to grow from where I've been, consciously incompetent sometimes, to consciously competent. 
uh, in my thanksgiving. So I hope those help you. And there's no time like the present. That's why you received a thank you card, and now you're going to get an invitation you've been dreaming of. You can pull your phones out with, if you have data on them. And we have Wi-Fi here. And you can pull those out right now because for two minutes we're going to play some great music. And I'm going to ask you to start your thank you card if you're going to do it on a card form. Or right now send a text or an email to somebody who needs to hear a thank you from you right now. Go ahead. Let's spend the next two minutes. I know that a few of you will have to continue, particularly the cards. Um, that takes a little bit of time, and I like to be thoughtful when I'm writing too. So, um, but at least you got it started, and you can finish it sometime today, and and get it given or sent. So, I'd like to just come back to where Daniel started. His Thanksgiving wasn't because there was some rule hanging over his head, or some law that he had to follow. It came out of a relationship with God. I just want to end there today. Where is your relationship with God at? Because it's out of that passion and love for God that motivates everything that we do. And today, maybe you're a person that's still considering the claims of Christ and really been wondering, is he who he says he is? And I hope today that you heard the good news that he is the Savior, the Messiah, the one who's come to reconcile us to God, and that this morning you can make a decision to begin a relationship with him just by saying yes. But maybe today you're somebody who finds yourself in a, in a place where you feel far off from God. You were close at one time. You would have described yourself like Daniel. And today, you know he's calling you back. His promise to you is, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. So if that happens to be your case today, if you've just found your safe place in a, in a place that's far from God, you can come back. 
He welcomes you with open arms. And I invite you to whisper that to him as I pray with you in just a moment. And then for the rest of us, I don't know about you, but whenever God talks to me, the next thing I do is I, I do the Peter prayer, help. Because whatever he invites me to do, I can't do it on my own. And so I'm going to pray that together with you. And you can whisper what it is you want help with. What did you assess in your life that needs his touch in making a habit of thanks? Let's pray together. Father, I just want to say thank you for sending Jesus. And right now, Lord, we reaffirm our I do's. We say yes to you, Jesus Christ. We receive your forgiveness that you purchased on the cross. We receive your love today. We want to walk with you. We want to live this life in adventure with you. We want to know that you're there with us like you were there with Daniel, Lord. And that just means saying yes to you. So we do that again today. And then, Lord, we just pray, anyone who's far off, Lord, we just thank you that you draw near now. And the Lord, I pray this week they would know and be aware of your presence with them. And this week they'd have a life filled with loving you, filled with reminders of your presence and how you're at work in their life. And for all of us, Lord, we just pray like Peter, help us. Otherwise, we're sunk. Thank you, Lord, for helping each one of us to make a habit of thanksgiving, giving thanks to you and giving thanks to the people we live with and work with and go to school with. Transform us, Lord. May it be said of us that we serve you continually and we love the people around us. In Jesus' name, amen.